Nehemiah chapter number one. Stand to your feet if, if you will when you find your place. <clears throat> we'll begin looking in verse seven. Verse seven, Nehemiah one. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments, and do them, though there were of you cast out under the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them up unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by the great power and by thy strong hand. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for allowing us another opportunity to be in your house this morning. We pray for a touch from you as we study this word. I pray that this truth would penetrate our hearts. I pray, God, that we would be blessed by the truth and the goodness that you have prepared for us this morning. But God, we know we must be willing vessels to receive goodness and truth from you. We pray, God, that you would just help us to focus our hearts and our minds upon this word this morning. Pray, God, that you would give us a special touch and special understanding as we try to deliver this message. We pray for our brothers and sisters not able to be with us this morning, some traveling, doing different things, serving you in different areas and capacities. We pray that you touch them and bless them. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The thought continuing, faithfully moving forward, is grown out of the overarching story of the book of Nehemiah, where you find the cultural situation he found himself in was that he was off being the cupbearer away from home, and the nation there, of God's people, had been dispersed and judged by God because of their transgressions. They were scattered uh, all over the world at this point in time. And you see that Nehemiah had a burden on his heart to see the restoration of Jerusalem. He had a burden on his heart to see God's chosen people gathered together again and serving and living and abiding by him. And, and we must remember that that is not possible without service to God without repentance, without subjection to his word. And so we have an, an idea in our mind, a, per, a perfect thing. We, we love to see people come to church. We love to see uh, the church grow. We love to see uh, uh, big Bible schools and big events and big responses to different things. But if there's not repentance and there's not subjection and there's not study and there's not prayer and there's not people who are willing and dedicated to change their ways and cling to the word of God, you're wasting your time. And I say that because that's, that's what happened here uh, with the children of Israel or, or with Israel is they wanted to be together. They wanted to, to continue in their religion, in their law, and they wanted to continue uh, in the promised land. They wanted all the benefits God had for them. But you find the situation that they're in here is a result of not falling into subjection to God's word. And sin created the separation between Israel and God. And it's no different for us while we know that, that uh, America is not a picture of, of Israel. Uh, we know that, believe that. Um, but also it's amazing to see the parallels with America and Israel. 
There's times where you see the service to God and, and dedicated to God in times in our American history, and, and you had salt of the earth people, and the culture uh, was, was turned towards God, and the, the, the ideas and the mindsets of our nation was set upon and focused upon the Word of God. And things would go well, and then the next generation would come along, and they would be complacent, and they would not know what it was like during the hard times. They only knew what it was like during the good times, and you saw that their faith would waver, and their faith would waver, and they would fall away from the Word of God, and then terrible things would happen and we would go back to a time of, of uh, depression and a time of poorness and a time of war and all these difficulties. You see that ebb and flow in our own nation. And so it's certainly a principle established by God that when we're serving and we're living for him, he will bless us. But when we turn our backs on him and we're not repentant and we're not living according to his word, his judgment will come. And that's just... Uh, 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 the fact of the matter for, for anybody, any person. Now, there's times where we go through times of hardship and difficulty, and I've had to learn and remind myself that uh, you know, stubbing my toe is not necessarily God's judgment on me in my life. I about broke three of my toes last night. And I'm telling you, it just makes you mad. And I'm thinking, oh, first thought in my mind is, oh, Lord, what have I done now? It's not always something happens. It's not always judgment for wrongdoing. There's some things just happen, Amen. Some things just happen. But there's certainly things that take place in our lives that we cause because of our disobedience. And so what we want to look at this morning is the idea and the thought of obedience and disobedience. And God's ju God judges obedience and disobedience. Look at that in the context of Nehemiah 1 this morning. We looked last week at the first six verses and I hadn't really seen a lot in these last few verses until yesterday. And uh, just kind of flowed, uh, flowed, and God blessed in my study there. And share a few thoughts with you here, beginning in verse 7. Nehemiah is praying here. We've dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. A few thoughts I had on this verse is, uh, first thing that you'll see about Nehemiah, he's, he's wanting to faithfully move forward in in his nation, in his day, in his society, he wants to move forward. And to do that, it takes repentance. That's, that's actually where we see uh, uh, what we see start in Nehemiah. And you'll find later on, Nehemiah restores Jerusalem. Nehemiah rebuilds the walls. We see that the nation gathers uh, together and, and, and they're, they're, they're restored in the sense of, of the people uh, in the greatest sense are, are gathered together again. But it starts with his broken heart. For his nation. It starts with a broken heart. We saw that in our last study from Nehemiah. I guess it's been two weeks ago now. We see that he had a broken heart and we see that he came with prayer to God for the judgment upon his people. And what I noticed here in verse 7 that strikes my heart is it starts with what word? We. It says we. So, so he, he's broken and then he begins to repentance and he says we have dealt very corruptly against thee. We. The key to Nehemiah being effective in pleading for God's uh, help and benefit to Jerusalem is that he had a we instead of they kind of attitude. So Nehemiah, he understood first universal responsibility. Universal responsibility. And I say that because he says we, not they, have dealt very corruptly against me. 
against thee. How would God have used Nehemiah to rebuild in Jerusalem if he said, yeah, they have, they have sinned against you, Lord. Use me and, 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 and make me beneficial for your service and use me to rebuild and restore the walls of Jerusalem. They've sinned against you. Have you ever prayed like that? You see somebody and you're like, man, they, I, I'm the doctor and I got the prescription. They, they need this and they've done that and they, they, they're this and they're that. We have to be careful that we realize that while I may not be participating in a certain sin that's going on out in the world, that gives me no right to be judgmental towards people because I'm just as guilty and wicked as they are. As we said a few weeks ago, offending the law in one sense, you're guilty of offending the whole law. I'm not going to be able to keep the laws of God perfectly. But I can't feel self-righteous because I'm not lustful or I'm not uh, jealous or I'm not a angry all the time. Or I'm, I can't feel self-righteous because there are certain sins that I don't commit. And Nehemiah didn't. He said, we have dealt corruptly against thee. He, he was willing. He realized the universal, the re universal responsibility of the law of God, and he was willing to repent as we instead of they. And that's the key first, is that you realize, church, if we're going to move forward tomorrow, if we're going to move forward in a year, in 10 years, in 15, in 20, in 25 years, as long as the Lord tarries, as long as Mountain View Baptist Church will be the, the, the church set upon this hill, if it's going to continue, we have to be we and not they. We can't move forward if it's somebody else's fault. Well, if so-and-so would do this, or so-and-so would just step up and do that, if so-and-so wouldn't do this, if so-and-so, uh, uh, man, I tell you, they, they just bring our church down. They bring, no, it's we. And they may be wrong, but it's not my responsibility to determine that. That's God and his judgment to handle that. It's like Jeremy was talking about, about uh, the, the people that we see on the streets. Hey, they may be out there on drugs. That's between them and God. People inside of this church right now, you got something you're hiding from everybody. Ain't nobody but you and God know. That's between you and God. That's not for me to discover, determine, or deal with. That's for God alone to deal with. Now, I pray that you can get that right. But while I'm praying that you can get that right, I pray that God would help me not to be self-righteous because you got something going on. And also that God would reveal to me if I got something going on that I don't see. It has to be we. Why? Because we may, you go to a doctor's office and you sit in a doctor. I went to the cardiologist a while back. And, and I was the youngest person by 40 or 50 years. I'm not, I'm not saying that rude. I just, I, I was. Katie was sitting there. I was. Maybe 30. And, and, and I'm like, we're here for different reasons. But we got the same problem. There's a heart problem, Amen. We may stand before God and we're, we're standing with him with different guilt and different wrongdoing and different responsibilities and different sins, but we got the same problem, amen? I don't think there's a waiting room for judgment. I mean, we're, we're, we, we, we complain because we wait. I, don't, I, don't, I personally don't believe that we're going to have to wait on judgment. Well, I got an appointment, no. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. In other words, I don't think we're going to be standing in line chit-chatting. And also, I'm not going to be able to get in the line like I do when we get back of the line like we do when we go eat. 
man, I'm dreading this. I'm dreading this. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. I believe that we will stand and we'll give an account to him directly, quickly. Time changes when we die. I know that. You know that. What I'm say, saying is that there, there, there's not no time on the other side to prepare your case. But we, we do realize now, and we will certainly know then, we're all there for the same reason. And that reason is sin. I will stand before God, and I will give the same account as anybody else. Any of my young people sitting here right in front of me, you'll give an account to God directly for your sin. I'm going to as well. We're, and we're all there for the same issue. It's not because this reason or that reason. It's not because I've done this or I've done that or you've done this and you've done that. It's, we all give an account to God. Why? Because we've all offended God. Now, why do we say that? End of verse 7, he says, or middle of verse 7, And have not kept thy com the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. You see, he had not forgotten, Nehemiah had not forgotten what God had told Moses. We are all responsible to the word of God. Every living, breathing creature is responsible to the word of God. Why? Because God created us. We're his creation. And because of sin, we're separated from him. And our separation means that I have offended God. Me being a, a sinner, born in a sinner's state. You say, how's that fair? Hey, we inherit good things, we inherit bad things, amen? Some inherit more than others. Some inherit nothing but sin. But we do, we all inherit sin because we're, cre we're human creatures. We're, we're imperfect because of sin. And, and what people want to say today is, well, the Bible, it's just not. The Bible, I just can't follow that. It's just some old, old-fashioned, just somebody was trying to explain the world and wrote the Bible. Well, you can believe that all the day long, but it doesn't change that God is God and that that person saying that is responsible for their sin. The whole world is responsible for their sin. I'm responsible, you're responsible. And I was responsible from the day I was born. Responsible to answer for it. And, 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 and a payment is due for my sin. And there are some that will stand and they have no payment. And by the glorious grace of God, we can stand if you know Jesus and say, Hey, my, my, my sin has been paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. What a blessing that is. Here's, here's my point. Nehemiah hadn't forgotten the words of Moses. And that's what moved his heart. Is I realize, God, we, we, have for, we have forgotten the word you gave us, and we're not abiding the word that you gave us. You see, today people, they think we've forgotten the Bible, but this, this word has been passed down because it's a timeless, inspired, and perfect word. And as generation and generation goes by, we're all accountable to follow and heed God's word. And just because it's something that was told to somebody else thousands of years ago doesn't make me any less responsible to give an account for how I abide by it. In other words, just because it's 6,000 years old or 5,000 years old or 2,000 years old, I'm just as responsible today as any other person that's ever existed. I'm as responsible today to the word of God as Abraham was. I'm as responsible to give account to the word of God as Peter was, as Paul was. So that's thousands of years ago. God does not change Time is nothing to God. He gives his word and his word never changes. 
ever. So I'm responsible still today for words, even if they're thousands of years ago. And that's what Nehemiah was hitting on. He said, we've done wrong and we've sinned against you. We've dealt corruptly against you. We have. And also, God, which thou commandest thy servant Moses, Lord, I remember all those years ago, all these stories that have been passed down over the years. Lord, I'm just as responsible today. See, we got to be we as far as sin goes. And we also have to realize God's word and what it says. Nehemiah knew God's word. Nehemiah understood. You won't find people, especially in this day, on up to, to the New Testament early church days, you won't find people that knew the word of God more than the Jews. I mean, they knew it. As far as skill, knowledge, understanding, they knew it. And even today, you find people never been to church, but they know. They know the gospel. They understand the gospel. They've heard the gospel. They are accountable to the word, just like Nehemiah. So Nehemiah, it's we, not they. He realizes he's accountable to the words of Moses. He realizes, and he's, he's willing to say, Lord, although that was a long time ago, you said that, I today am responsible for these words, and we've sinned against you. Let me tell you something. Offending God is not trivial. It's not trivial. It's not a, a minor offense. It's not a little thing. It's not something you can skirt through and skirt by. Sinning against God is no small matter. Thank the Lord for repentance. Thank the Lord that there's somebody somewhere like Nehemiah that prayed on my behalf and said, Lord, forgive us. We've sinned against you. We've done wrong. We need your touch. We need your repentance. We need you to, to, to show your mercy and show your grace. You realize if you're sitting in this church today, somewhere, I, I, I would guarantee you, somebody somewhere has prayed for you. Has prayed for you. On your behalf, when you didn't take it seriously, when you didn't care, when you didn't feel like it, when you couldn't get the strength to do it, there's been somebody pray for you. And if somebody ain't prayed for you, the Holy Spirit prayed for you. He's praying for you right now. What a beautiful thing that is. I guarantee you, sitting in this building this morning, somebody's prayed for you. And that's what Nehemiah's doing. He said, Lord, I realize my own disobedience. I realize my own sin. I realize my own wrongdoing. So on behalf of my nation, Lord, we've, we've dealt corruptly with you. We've sinned against you. Please forgive us. Lord, we've not abided by that word that you gave Moses. You told us all that time ago. You realize, Christians, how easy we have it today? So do you see how hard the world is, how difficult things are? How, you realize how easy we have it today? We have a fully revealed word of God. There is some prophecy in here that are being revealed. There's some prophecy left to be fulfilled, but there's very few. The, the overwhelming majority of the prophecy has been fulfilled and pointed towards Jesus, who has been revealed to us and told us and his truth told us. There were Christian people that did not have a copy of the Word of God, and they served more faithfully than many people in the church today. There were people during, during the dark ages, they were not allowed to have the word of God. The only thing that they were able to cling to and hold on to is, is the truth and the pieces of the gospel that they were legally allowed to have. And, and, and it was illegal for them to possess the word of God. You realize our people, our pe I'm looking at a bunch of white people, our people, people that, that, that our folks came from, they were not allowed to have the word of God. Is that, 
doesn't mean anything anymore because you can go anywhere and get a word of God. You don't even have to go to the store anymore. Just pull your phone out. Every language in existence and our ancestors were killed and burned at the stake trying to get the truth of the gospel printed and in the hands of people. And England and Scotland and Ireland and Europe, they would burn people at the stake. I don't remember if it was Tyndale or I think it was Tyndale burned at the stake. One of the translators earlier translators of the English Bible. You realize there was a time if you couldn't speak and read Latin, English people, English, ancestrally English, if you couldn't read and speak Latin, you couldn't possess the Word of God. How blessed we are today. I don't speak Latin. I don't read Latin. I ain't going to. It's dead. God used it as a method to spread the Word. There was a time if you couldn't read it. That's like saying if you don't know this language, you can't know God except for what I tell you. Do we realize how, how blessed we are today? That's our issue, and I think that's why the meaning here for, for, for Nehemiah, he says, he says, which thou commandest thy servant Moses, it meant something to him because it had been passed down generation by generation, the goodness of God, the truth of God, the word of God, and, and, and the word of God was high and it was lifted up. And now we say, well, I just can't understand it. The King James Bible, I think, is 11th or 12th grade reading level. That's most of the education I have, and I can read it. And with the sermon, I can understand it. I can pray and seek God to, to show me and reveal his word, but it's lost its savor in our nation today because ah, it's just some word 2,000 years old. Nehemiah, he says, Lord, we've sinned against you. We've sinned against your word. He, had, he understood universal responsibility. We're still responsible to God's word today. He understood and he knew God's unwavering promises. Verse 8 says, Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. God told Moses all them days ago, in essence, you, you look at it, you, you abide by my word and you follow, by my, follow my word. And what I've given you and what I've shown to you, I will preserve those things for you. I will protect you in those things. I will grow you in those things. But if you turn against my word, I will scatter you across among the nations. I, I talk about how the Jewish people are such a wonderful example and proof that God exists. And I say that first, and I've told you this, because of how much they have been persecuted. The Jewish people, they're persecuted and they're hated. People that hate them can't even tell you why they hate them other than some kindergarten-level junk. They just hate it. People hate the Jewish people. And they've been persecuted over the ages. Going beyond the Holocaust, they've been persecuted and they've, they've been tortured and treated terribly. And, and to me, that's a proof that God exists because these people are universally hated. Another thing is that this verse right here, where, where it says Moses, all going on in the back of Moses, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. Look at how scattered the Jewish people have been at times in history. That just proves to me that God is real. That God, Europe was covered in Jewish people. 
America, when, 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 when people were moving to the United States, it was flooding full of Jewish people. I mean, it's an amazing thing to see that happen. But there's also times where they go back. Even we see this today. Many Amer Jewish American people having dual citizenship and, and going back and living in Israel. I mean, it's an amazing thing. There's no other nation that's ever existed that has this type of history that we can look and we can truly see. And I've heard people, especially, uh, we see how tremendously blessed they are as a nation, uh, just their people. And, and I think I may have heard Joey say it, but especially military people talk about how equipped and efficient and how good their military is. And their military is using a, a lot of our equipment, and they're better with it than a lot of our people are. I mean, they're just, they're just blessed. We're the best, but they're, they're, they're up there. Even better in a lot of cases. And the younger people, I mean, it's amazing. They're, it proves who God is. But God told them all that time ago, you serve me, I will protect you, I will preserve you, I will bless you, I will take care of you, I will provide for you. But if you turn away from me, I will scatter you among the nations. And this is exactly where we're at when Nehemiah is sitting here burdened for his people. When he's praying for Jerusalem, they had been scattered among the nations. This is Nehemiah understanding God's unwavering promises. God's promises for judgment against evil are true and legitimate. And God's judgment for people who follow and abide by his word and seek him are legitimate. Nehemiah, he recalls the words that were given to Moses. He, he realizes that God judges obedience and disobedience. And what it is, what, what a tragedy it is that God's people suffer because of our own disobedience. Some people think, well, well that makes God unfair. Why, why would God do that? If God's going to promise you something, if God's going to give you something, why would God do that? There were terms and conditions. There's terms and conditions with everything. Amen? You buy something and there's a warranty on something. And that's getting harder to find, ain't it? People don't even want to back what they sell you. And, they, and it's twice the price it used to be. Three times and four times the price of what it used to be. And they don't even want to back behind it. Used to craftsman tools back in the... Anybody got some old craftsman tools? Blessed. I'm blessed. I love them. I took other ratchets apart to try to keep mine rocking and rolling. And they're, they're, they're going strong. Craftsman tools, brother. That, everybody had a set of craftsman tools. I mean... They were good stuff because you knew if that thing broke, you walk into Sears and trade them things out. My, my ratchet's broke. Here's another one. No questions asked. That's how much they stood behind their product. Today, I mean, they don't, they don't even want to back it. It breaks in half the second day you got it. Well, you bought it from us. What's the testimony of Warranty and responsibility. We, everything we have has terms and conditions. You sign, you sign a mortgage on your home, there's terms and conditions. See, we don't like to think about it because it stresses us out. There's terms and conditions with the Word of God. Some may say, how does this make God fair that He promises them all these things and He takes it away from them? Because there's terms and conditions. He told them, abide by my Word and I will protect and preserve you. But if you turn from me, I will scatter you among the nations. And that's exactly what He did. God's promises are unwavering. He makes a promise. And, and we see these principles in our life today. Like I said, not every single thing that happens. Don't go bump your, head, bump your head on the door getting in the car and think, well, God's judging me for something. That's not what I'm saying. 
But there very well may be some things in your life that you're paying the price for because of your disobedience. See, Nehemiah, he goes back. He says, we have disobeyed you. We have sinned against you. He wasn't guilty of maybe all of these things, but he was willing to take the responsibility. That's what a leader does. And he had not forgotten the word that was told to Moses. Universal responsibility, unwavering promises, and finally, as we finish up here, Nehemiah is seeking God's unending love. He says in verse 9, But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there, were of, though there were of you cast out to the uttermost part of heaven, yet I will gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. See, there's terms and conditions. God's judgment comes down on disobedience. But God's the kind of God that is a merciful and a loving God. You see, you, you, you have, your, you have that, that ratchet break. And you don't ever go back to Sears and trade that thing in. You can't be mad when you get your ratchet back up and it's broke. Amen? It's broke. I'm so angry because it broke and I've just sat around for three months and I need it again or a week and I need it again and it's still broke. If you don't go trade that thing in, you can't be mad when it's still broke. Your relationship with God. If you don't go to God seeking restoration, you can't be mad when you don't get restored. Nehemiah realized that and he understood there's something broken about my people. There's something broken about me. There's some disobedience in my life. If I don't seek God, if I don't get with God, how am I going to be right? We should thank the Lord that he's so merciful and he's so loving. I've said often with Adam and Eve, with Adam and Eve, he could have just crumpled them up like a piece of paper and cast them into the trash can. But he didn't. He's merciful and he's loving. Our hard times and our difficulties, they teach us to turn back to Jesus, especially when our mistakes have brought them on. I don't know about you, but for me and my walk with the Lord, a lot of times it's my mistakes that eventually the light bulb goes off above my head, and I realize, man, I'm so wrong. I've messed up so much. God's forgiveness, it draws the masses of the redeemed back to the place from which they departed. He said, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them into the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. You see, there was a place for Israel they had departed from God. God had not left them, they had left God. And he will restore you and your relationship and your walk with him. But you've got to go back to where you left him and where you walked away from him. And that's what Nehemiah is pleading for Israel for. That's what he's pleading for Jerusalem for. Is Lord, I need you to restore us. I need you to bring us back. I need you to help us. So I challenge you this morning. Realize it's we, not they. We start pointing the finger. We're guilty. At that point. And I'm going to tell you, there's sometimes it's, it's human nature. It's just a thought in our head about people, about things, about situations. We can't even help it. We just have to pray for forgiveness and, Lord, help strengthen me. Help me have more mercy. But we need to be on our knees and our face praying, 
that God will restore. I said Wednesday night, and I'll say it again. 2024 is a big year. But if we got more faith in our nation than we do God, we need to get something right. You can put Republican back in office. Pray to Lord, the Lord it happens. But you can put a Republican back in office, and it ain't going to fix things until people get right with God. You see, Jerusalem can be rebuilt. They can come back and build it back, build it back better. Heard that promise before. They can come and rebuild it back better than it was. But if God's not in it and God's not uh, allowed to move and God's not, not dwelling in Jerusalem, there's no sense in trying. Our nation, our churches, our families, if God's not in the center, if God is not in the center, it can't be restored. We can't move forward. But it takes us realizing, Lord, we. We need you. Not them. It's not... It's not Jesus at the right hand, God in the center, and me on the other side. Lord, you see them? You see them down there? It's we. And also remember our responsibility to this word. 